Hey everyone, welcome back to the M&M Hockey Podcast. You know the deal. It is Alex Metzger. I am with here, here with my co-host, Chase McCallum. Tried switching it up, shouldn't have done it. Uh, we are back, and it is Stanley Cup final time, Chase. We recorded, we were saying how good the Dallas Stars looked. They are fighting back in game four and five, and they laid a complete egg in game six. Six nothing, I think the just the game was over within 12 minutes, basically. Like I got home from baseball and my baseball started at 630. So I was home literally 10 minutes into the game and the game was over. Um, yeah. Yeah. Just depressing to watch. Yeah. Just disappointing. Vegas's fourth line is the one who just absolutely kills them too. It's not like it was a Jack Eichel four goal performance or anything like the, the fourth line of Vegas just goes out and, Jamie Benn was absolutely horrible on his return. Like only played 13 minutes was legitimately one of the worst uh, players on the ice. Like just, just awful. Um, so that wraps up the conference final. We get one that goes to game six, I guess. So um, not a complete failure, but uh, definitely I'd say an underwhelming conference final. Although, you know, like it's not like the Florida game, much like round two, it's not like the Florida games were boring by any means. It was a sweep, but all four games were decided by one goal. So, and and three of or two of them were in overtime. One was four seconds left. So it's not like it was just an absolute horrid game or anything like that. Um, we'll recap where Dallas goes from here, I guess, quickly before we get on to our preview. And, um, you know, common trend with people who are eliminated, but I think even more so for Dallas this year, in my opinion, Chase. It just, you know, it kind of feels like a, a year, not wasted, obviously, like a conference final trip is still good, but this really felt like the best shot. You know, Colorado not in, in the mix this year. Like they get eliminated in the first round. You get Seattle in round two, you get a, a Vegas team that very, very strong. And we'll get into them in a little bit, but they're on their fourth string goalie. Who knows how healthy Mark stone is like you have a career year from uh, Jason Robertson at 23 years old, Joe Pavelski at 38 years old. Um, like, you know, just, it, it kind of felt like this was the year that everything was coming together. And instead they don't, um, not the end of the world. Like they're going to be running most of this team back uh, again next year. They're going to overhaul the depth. Definitely. But Ty Delandra is the only uh, real big name that is up for uh, an extension as an RFA. And they have uh, $7.4 million in cap space to re-sign him. And then about three or four forwards that are all basically depth forward. So not the end of the world, but definitely feels like uh, a missed opportunity again. 100%. Like, they're they're kind of in a they're in a great spot, but they they're kind of balancing two sort of cores, right? Yeah, they, so this felt like a good aligning of the two. They remind me of um Philly from like 2016, 17-ish, where yeah, with the Couturier Simmons and then like the when, when Couturier who, was young actually, and like connecting yeah, was yeah, there because he was young. Yeah, and then you had, like, Simmons and Giroux and uh, Voracek uh, up front as, like, yeah. yeah. Like, it reminds me of that, where it's, like, definitely the makings of a good team is there. But, yeah, you kind of got to wonder, like, Jamie Benn had a revival of a year this year. I mean, despite he had a horrible conference final, obviously. But, um, you know, Tyler Sagan looked better than he has in the year. Pat just looked more healthy at times this year as well. Like, I just don't know how long you you can rely on that, you know? Yeah, exactly. Like the the young guys seem like safe bets, but half the team's pretty old, and 
that's not aging the way you're gonna like. Plus, like even the young guys, like there's a decent chance that's the best Robertson will ever play. And like that's not the end of the world. You still win with Robertson being worse than he was this year because he was like fourth best player in the league or whatever. But it's just a fact that happens with 23 year olds. Yeah, and like same with like Rupe hints. That's very possible that he had 24 points in 19 playoff games. That could be the best Rupe hints playoff run we ever see. You know, like and. Yep. The young guys aren't getting cheaper either. Rupe Hints goes from a 3.15 mil AAV to an 8.45, you know? Uh, as I said, Delandra is up for an extension this year. Wyatt Johnson will be, now he's got two more years, but, um, you know, Joe Pavelski's up after this coming year. So, and like, again, that's not the end of the world. He won't resign for much, but it's just one of those or things where, yeah, or at all, maybe it could, could very well be the end. And it'll depend, but it's just one of those things where, yeah, like this just felt like, it all coming together. But I, what I will say is just because this was their best probability at the cup doesn't mean that the window's closed. I mean, look at the Florida Panthers this year, right? Like last yeah, year, caps the year they won. Yep. Caps. They, that's an, another great example. Blues um, the year they won. Yep. Um, the, Blues the best were lightning team different, but... didn't win the cup and two lightning teams won cups. Yep. And so it's not like, like, I'm not saying for this team, it's slammed shut by any means. Like, I think they'll still be, they'll be fighting with Colorado for top of the division again next year. And, and they will be a favorite to win round one. And then it'll just depend, you know, what they kind of do in the off season and deadline of how we feel about this team. But it just kind of felt like, and just naturally, once you make, make it to the conference finals, you're naturally going to be hovering around the 15 to 30% chance to win the cup, depending on how good or bad you are, you know? So, um, yeah. You know, like, I don't think at any point next year, until we get to a round three, they're going to be even close to, like, 15% to win the cup, right? So. No, not them. It'll be, like, the. Who's the. Who, theoretical question. Who's the odds on favorite going into next year? Um, Probably. Mm, I was going to say I, the Avs, but. I was going to say Colorado, too. No Landy. Yeah, but I don't know. I just think the conference is still weaker so than bad. Um, Toronto will be up there as well. Yeah, Carolina will probably be up there. Nosedive. New Jersey, I was going to say sleeper. Yeah. Well, I don't I think, know if it's sleeper. I think Carolina will be here. more favored than the Devils, though, just because, as we talked about last episode, Carolina will be essentially bringing a lot of the same team back, right? That's true. And, New Jersey's yeah. got age on the side more, is what I was yep, thinking. For sure. Yeah, I think the upside is there with New Jersey, but I think. Yeah. They- we don't see betting models maybe lean into upside as much in terms of very early season betting, you know? Yeah. You just going to go mostly median outcome. Yeah. And the Oilers will be there as well, I think. And, and Vegas clearly too. Honestly, if Vegas wins the cup, you could probably make a pretty good argument. Vegas will be right at the top, right? Florida too, to be honest. Yep. Yeah. I, I'll be really interested actually to see where Florida lands. Cause I, I, I kind of yeah. wonder if betting markets will lean into Bobrovsky or like how aggressive they'll lean into that. And then also like, like they're playing without Spencer Knight right now, who just three years ago was considered like the best or second best goalie prospect on, on earth. We've like ever seen. Yeah. And like our lifetime. Yep. Yeah. And like, obviously we hope he's, he's in the player assistance program. So hopefully he's getting, you know, whatever help he needs and we can see him back at some point, but like, that's a pretty big chip just kind of sitting there waiting as well as like an X-Factor player. Yeah, 100%. Just And goaltending, right, can just skew everything so much. The way Bob has. Yep, exactly. And that's why I, I kind of think um, 
Florida probably won't be as high, even if they win the cup, I feel like they probably won't be as high as people think they should be um, just naturally. Cause I do think betting markets will probably a, I think they'll avoid running into the Bob was hot for a month. That means he's going to be great again next year trap. And B, I also find sometimes with these early season betting odds is that it's partially what the odds makers think, but also let's be honest. They lean into teams like Toronto and Edmonton because they know they're going to get bet, right? Like, so if you put them as favorites. job is technically to set a line where 50-50 people will lie. Exactly, right? So you put the Leafs as second favorites to win the cup. You're going to get some casual guy who doesn't bet too often go, I'll throw $10 down on the Leafs. This looks like their year or whatever, right? Yeah. So, um, yeah. So Vegas and, and Florida in the cup final. Um Definitely not what I, I would have predicted, but at the same time, like Vegas won their division, was second in the West and like sixth overall or whatever in the league, despite not having a healthy team for most of the year. Uh, this shouldn't be like super shocking to anyone. Nope. I think it checks out. Granted, if you said Aiden Hill was going to be leading them into the finals, I'd be a little, I would, I would have been surprised enough, but this is kind of what Bruce Cassidy does, you know, like he just, doesn't really matter who he has in that. He'll go, no, our team structure is good enough that we can win. Yeah. Did you see the Dom getting getting chirped today for calling him a dark horse? The Golden Knights? Yeah. He called the Golden Knights a dark horse? Yeah. Yeah, that, uh, that seems a little strange. Yeah, I don't disagree with Dom very often. When I saw that, I was like, mm. <laughs> I don't know about that. I, I get people like the Oilers more, but they they won the West and they were injured to hell. You know what they remind me of is, didn't Colorado's numbers look a lot like that last year? They yeah, like Colorado's were... 52% XG. Yep, they were pretty mediocre because they missed McKinnon for part of the year and McCarr for part of the year and Landis Cog for part of the year. And I think Rantanen too, like... And then, yeah, they all got healthy at the same time and went, no, we are the best team in the league. Yeah, and they're not quite to that level. But, like, Mark Stone led the Golden Knights in goals above replacement uh, in 43 games, not because the rest of the team was bad, because he was really, really good when he came back. And the fact that the team did that well without him and without their best player, it seems like a foreseeable outcome that they'd be really, really good, even if. You know, yeah, and like median outcome is cup final, but still, people were like surprised Jack Eichel was good in the playoffs. It's like this is just how like warped people's brains are. I think is like, dude who has been nothing but elite basically. Every time we get to see him healthy in the regular season, people are surprised that he's actually good come playoff time. Yeah, oh, it's the worst. Like, did you see the Justin Bourne thread on it? This no, I didn't. Want to throw my phone out the window. <laughs> talking about how this has made him rethink things because he didn't think you could win with players like Eichel, but now he's coming around to the idea. It's like, no shit you can win with one of the 20 best young players in the fucking league on your team. This is the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. I'm sure he's a smart person, but like, my God, of course you can win with Jack Eichel on your team. Yeah, it's just like, what are we like? What are we doing here? Like, yeah. I just... Can you win with really good hockey players? Question mark. Yeah, is what it, if isn't they it... were bad at war? Not even them. The team around them. Nobody <laughs> looked at Buffalo and was like, "Eichel's the problem." No, literally, every that was like the one situation where everyone. But because he sat out, people didn't like his attitude or whatever. So then it became Eichel's problem, right? Like, yeah. And the, the other thing too is people go, "Well, look how good Buffalo became after." It's like they missed the playoffs by like 
not 13, but like eight points this year. Like exactly. that's our definition of good. What are we talking well, about? Like, window wise, a lot of it did work out well for Buffalo, but like Eichel's killing it outside. Reinhardt's killing it outside. Like players, it's not like they traded. It's not like a Russell Wilson thing in, in Denver where they dumped their franchise player and then they went and sucked elsewhere. Like, no, Jack Eichel is exactly who we thought he is. Sam Reinhardt, exactly who we thought he is. It's just Buffalo had a bunch of win-win style deals with people because yep. their window didn't line up. And that's fine. Yeah, 100%. Like, it's just, oh my gosh, it's crazy. But, um, yeah, no, it should be, I think it'll be an exciting finals. Um, again, I'm, I'm going to be interested to see kind of how they play this. You know, obviously Florida is dedicated to playing. I wouldn't call it low event necessarily, but definitely comfortable playing low scoring games. Um, and, and some of that's just naturally coming because when your goalie saving a goal above expected, it's going to be a much lower scoring game. Um, but yeah, that helps the, again, like the Vegas depth feels like the, we just saw the Vegas fourth line dismantle both Dallas and Edmonton, or not just the fourth line, but like the bottom six in general, you know, just kind of like dismantle two teams on, on their way to the, the Stanley cup final. And I would argue both of those teams had much better depth, especially on the fourth line, especially um, than Florida is going to. So I kind of wonder how much Florida just relies on their top nine where they've been spreading it out. You know, we're obviously like Sam Reinhardt and, and Lester Reinen on the, on the third line has been working out for them as well. So I like, I really wonder if we see Florida go, three lines for basically everything but penalty kill. Yeah, that's probably the smartest way to do it, right? I think so. Like, you're not saving these guys for anything now, right? No, you might as well just basically filter those minutes to to Chuck and company, let them give everything they can for seven games and hope that the coin lines heads on your side. Yeah, um... I'll be interested. I don't like. I don't think you can tangibly take too much away from this, anyways. But I'll be interested to see. Like, Florida's been off for a long time in between series here now, eh? Like, I yeah. Is that a good thing though? Because like you can kind of talk yourself into both ways, right? Well, that's the thing where like I think it is good because they're just naturally going to have a couple guys be healthier, right? Like yeah. Now. I also want, but like, I'm like, especially modern sports medicine can do wonders. I also want to like, sometimes you hear they're playing with like a broken arm. It's like, is 10 days of healing really going to make a broken arm that much? Not more like not broken. Yeah. How much <laughs> I don't know. But like, if you have like a nagging groin injury or something, I absolutely believe a week and a half, two weeks. I think, like, I think they will be off 13 days by the time they're 10, at least 11 by the time they've played the next game. I can absolutely see how like a torn groin or something like that in 11 days, you could heal that back up to close to hundred percent. Yeah, I could definitely see that. Plus the series is going to take forever. You see that? Oh my God. Okay. So those, I was going to save this, but let's get into this now. So first off the rest thing, again, I don't think it really matters either way. I, I could absolutely see it being a little harder for, for Florida just in that first period, maybe to get their legs underneath them, but they're all pro. That's what I was going to say. It, you might get an edge early. Like, yeah. literally the one period I would buy. Yeah, exactly. But it's not like they're going to be... Like, if they're getting outskated in the third period, it's because Vegas is playing better than them, not because they didn't play in a couple of days. Like, For sure. Um, but, yeah, it's like, okay, first of all, why is the series not starting on Thursday? We're recording on Wednesday night, but why is the series not starting today while people are listening to this? The fact that the, the conference finals wrapped up on Monday, the whole playoffs, every time one series is end, the NHL goes right away, the next series is starting, you get no days off. Why on earth 
because the team went six games, do they now need six full days off? Or yeah, five full days I, off, I guess. I find it really are they trying to avoid the NBA finals? I don't so, know exactly how the NBA finals line up. That's just my only thought. I don't know. I thought that as well, but like yeah, maybe. I guess the NBA finals are going Thursday, Sunday, Wednesday. Um, which is weird as well. But the thing that frustrates and like I kind of understand that they're trying to so they, they go, if anyone hasn't seen the schedule, it goes, and maybe they are just completely trying to avoid the um, the NBA, but they go Saturday, Monday. That makes sense. There's you have for two days. Then they give two full days off for travel to go to Florida. They play Thursday, Saturday, two more full days off, Tuesday, two more full days off, Friday, two more full days off, uh, and then they're on. So if this goes seven, the cup finals wraps up on June 19th. That'll be three full weeks since the conference finals ended. That just seems absurd to me. And like, I get like, but everyone goes, it's a travel day. It's a travel day. These guys are professional athletes getting private birds across the country. They're not flying a red eye. Yeah, I think they'll they'll be okay. And And like, both teams are doing it. What is it really? Like, they're not leaving anything on the line anyways. I, I can't imagine it makes much of a difference at this point. Like, I'm sure... It is marginally helpful, but if you're not healthy, like you're not healthy well, well before this, probably. And no team gets an advantage from this. It's not like one team is flying from Vegas to Florida to meet a team that was sitting in Toronto. Both teams are flying from Vegas to Florida. Yeah. And then back from Florida, like I just, and like, I get like, yeah, you want the best quote unquote hockey. What is one extra day of rest going to do? I just, I, I find that so hard to believe that one extra day of rest is going to make the difference that like, because the way I'm looking at it is the two days off in between games just lets the air out of the series a little more. One game is perfect. You play the game, you have an off night, everyone gets to analyze what they saw Everyone's the day before. About it. Yeah, yeah. You get your night off or whatever. And then the following night you get to talk about it all day and you go right back at that night. When you have that second night, especially when it is this amazing weather outside and we were just complaining how hot it is, but it is 30 degrees outside right now. And we haven't even got to June yet. You think that people are going to, if they forget about the series for two days are going to be like, I need to sit down and watch game four of Florida Vegas. I don't think so. I'm sorry. I don't think so. Yeah, I'm with you there. And 100%, the, the one day on, one day off, I, I like that rhythm very, very much. It's nice it's to be perfect. able to do it for an additional round this year, even though uh, you know we've lost uh, pretty quickly in that one. But it, it's a very good system. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. And like, yeah, especially, yeah, if you have a team in it, it's awesome because you're super invested every night. And then every other night, you can either watch, but you don't have to. But like... You can tune in and just casually watch some good hockey. And then obviously, you know, once you get to the finals, it's a little different. But yeah, like, I don't know. I, I just think it's really strange that they stretch this out so far. Um, I I don't know. Like, I I just find it very weird. Um, it, it just seems like something that could have been avoidable. But um, it's not it's not what we have. So let's hope we get a nice, fun, like a, an entertaining seven-game series. And I, I won't complain if we're watching – Hockey until June 19th. Um, that'll be, and we hopefully have a really, really good series on our hands. So, exactly. Yeah. As long as it's interesting. Yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah. Other than season preview, I mean, like, or series preview, like we've talked about these teams so much, right? Like, uh, I think 
probably Conn Smythe favorites going in. Bobrovsky's odds on favorite. Uh, Kachuk's getting a lot of love as yeah. well. Uh, but I sense. think, and then on the other side, Eichel's been getting a lot of it, rightfully for Vegas. A name I want to throw out there for Vegas that is an absolute dark horse. I don't think he will, but Shea Theodore has been far and away their best defender, in my opinion, in these playoffs. And I like uh, that. Not a chance he gets it, but I do like that name. Yeah. And he's been like, he's been one of the only defenders for Vegas that have been like consistently over 50% Corsi for and expected goals. I think he's at like 56% expected goals. Um, he has had a bunch of offensive zone starts. Like they haven't been starting, they, the potential pairings been getting in their own end a lot, but uh, uh, Theodore has been very good. Um, here's a question How many games does the series have to go where Florida loses and Bob still gets the con smite? Assuming they lose, like most games, like none of the games are like Bob just absolutely costing them a game or anything like that. Oh, that's a good question. I feel like as long as Florida loses in six or seven, he can still pretty easily get it. I was gonna say seven. If it goes seven and Bob like steals two, two or three games, and like the rest of the games aren't really his fault or whatever, they just kind of lose three one or whatever. Like even like a four two game where they just hung him out to dry i think he is a very good chance i'd say he should almost be favored for it at that point yeah he probably should and if it goes yeah absolutely i think he should probably favored for it if it goes six or even five but i don't think he will i think if it goes six it'll purely depend on a how the losses came and b how good of a series did eichel have yeah. Um, if it goes five i can't really see him winning it unless they literally lose four games like one nothing yeah, if he has the old uh, Jonathan Quicks river gets swept where he has like a 970 or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Um, and yeah, if, if he gets swept, I just, I don't think it'll be going to him, unfortunately. But um, this is the first time since Eric Carlson 2017 is the last time I can remember even a, a losing player, a team that could, if they lose, the player still has an insane um claim to the trophy yeah it's been it's been a while and i think part of it too is vegas has been a very good like team they've got up early a lot and i mean eichel's been great stone's been really good but and theodore's been good petrangelo's been taking the starts but like vegas they, have a, spread out. they have a bunch of good players they haven't had one that's been like four overtime winners or anything like florida right yeah, like, they remind me of the like 2017 pens where like the stars were the stars, but they weren't like they didn't look fully like a stars and scrubs team. No, and like how and the cap works. Even among the stars, no one star like super like stood out, right? Where yeah. like it was like, oh yeah, like all six of our best players were just six of our best players. Yeah, they're just the six best players, and it worked. We had a good goalie. Aiden Hill does have a 937. But he didn't even play the first round, did he? Yeah, I don't think so. He's only started 11 games. What do they have, 15 played? 16 played? Yeah, they played five. Because he didn't start He didn't start round one. I know that. It was Bressois because he was playing against Winnipeg. Oh, they played 17 I, games. So he's missed six. Yeah, because I think Bressois played the entire first round then got hurt in game two against Edmonton. Yes, if I'm not I mistaken. Be, I think that's it. Um, But... Yeah, like so, because uh, yeah, he's another one where it's like, yeah, like I, you could give it to him, and like I wouldn't complain if he posted nine forty through the the finals or whatever. But it's like, 
yeah, the dude didn't even start, didn't, didn't even play one quarter, quarter of the game. So like, um, I don't, I don't know. Um, also another talking line that I, I, people haven't mentioned enough, Phil Kessel on his way for the third cup, even though he's been an active, healthy scratch for the past two rounds. Uh, but he will get his name on the cup if they win. Which is good for Phil. Yes. Um, so another, speaking of, can you win with good players? I remember when you couldn't win a cup with Phil Kessel? Like, yep. Now they're going to do with him on the bench. <laughs> yep. They did one um, with him as the, the leading scorer, one with him as a good contributor, one with him on the bench. Turns out it doesn't really matter. Yeah. He's just a good locker room guy. Yeah. <laughs> Glizzies for everybody after the Ex- game, I'm sure. Exactly. We're also going to get a new franchise winning the cup this year. Uh, feels funny saying that considering Vegas is only six years old. Uh, but, you know, obviously if Florida wins, they had the one cup final run, and that was literally basically it in their playoff history. Uh, they made it past the first round once, I think, or twice, I guess, later. other other than that. Um, they had the Tavares one when he scored. No, Tavares ended there. Oh, never mind. Um, they they made it last year to the second round. They got swept by Tampa. I could have sworn they had made it one other year. No, last year they broke the curse, wasn't it? Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, because they I don't think they had won around since was it 96 when they went to the cup final? Yes. Yeah, I was gonna say in the 90s they were good at some point. I think yeah, they it had, was like Beret. Yeah, they had the Beret run where they clutched and grabbed their way to the finals and got swept. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so 90s hockey. Yeah, exactly. Um but yeah, so the, the, like a new cup winner will be claimed this year. So that, that, that's pretty cool as well. Um I don't really care wins. I th- I, I think I'd prefer Vegas. You know, I, I have a soft spot, obviously, for Mark Stone. And just, I genuinely, I know, like, this is probably not a common take, but I like the way they've done business. They've been cutthroat. They've been smart. They've gone, as we mentioned already, and got good got good talent and not bought into these stupid narratives of, well, can you win with Jack Eichel? Of course he can. He's a great player. Um, you know, they've, they've been aggressive. They stockpiled draft picks appropriately. And, you know... Obviously, you know, people are not are mad about the loyalty thing. Well, people are too loyal in sports a lot of the times. And Vegas is showing you why you shouldn't be. And honestly, like Florida is too. They could have been loyal to Jonathan Huberdeau and gave him nine by eight or whatever. And instead they went and got Matthew Kachuk and now they're here. So um I and even prefer- Vegas, like there's a core of guys at Vegas that have been there since the expansion draft. Yeah, like Shea Theodore, uh, and even like Mark Stone came in two years after, like yeah, Carlson's still there. Marcius is still there. Smith's still there. The original, like, big three. I feel like Chandler Stevenson was an expansion draft guy, and so was William Carrier. Stevenson either was or came in a year later, but he's been there for a while, yep. Yeah. Like, Carrier definitely has. Um, yeah, like, they they have – yeah, it's not like they've gutted the entire team or anything like that. They no, just went they, and got actual star talent. Yeah, they've been, like – added a whole bunch of really good hockey players, which is what you're supposed to do. Yeah. Like it, it just, that shouldn't be shocking. I'm pretty sure Nicholas Waugh was claimed in the expansion draft as well. No, actually, That's, no, he wasn't. Never mind. Didn't they get a pick? I, I don't know. I don't remember exactly. He played parts of two seasons with Carolina and then 1920 was his first year with Vegas. Right. So he wasn't, but um yeah i don't know like again like there's been guys that have been there for a while and any team has turnover they just you know did it to the star players which is a smart thing like they i don't know why we're getting mad at that yeah exactly so most for since the expansion draft like 
I don't know every team off by heart, but I know the Leafs only have a couple of remaining players. It's just Riley. So the, the Leafs core forwards, not yeah, even obviously Paris. it's it's their big paid players or whatever. But yeah, like the Leafs turn over eleven players every off season. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> their depth is pretty much gone every year. You're a contending team with cap constraints. Yeah, so. Uh, I, I'd slightly prefer Vegas to win, but it'd be a really cool story if Florida wins as well. And I, again, I think there's good things you could, teams could take away about being aggressive uh, if Florida wins too. So I, I think, you know, you can't really go wrong either way here. Um, I'm going to go Vegas in six in this series. I'll keep doubting Florida. I don't know. I, I just, I still feel like the Bobrovsky bubble needs to burst a little bit at some point. And I, I, I could see Vegas doing it. Yeah. I'm going to go Vegas in seven. I kind of wanted to pick Florida, but I think I've picked Vegas every round, and I did have them in the cup final in my bracket, so why stop now? Yeah. All right. Uh, yeah, so I, I think it'll be a good series, though. Like, I'd be very disappointed if this is one where we're recording and it's a 4 nothing sweep or something. Like, that That would just be deflating, and I I really hope that doesn't happen. Let's let's have a bang to end it off here. I'm with you on that. That, that would, uh, it would blow if the series was just a little bit. Over and yep. four, but it should be good for some non-traditional hockey. Vegas Absolutely. is good, but I don't watch a ton of them. And same with Florida. So. Yeah, and like the both buildings have been absolutely and like I most buildings are super loud during the playoffs, but both have been like fun to watch home games in. Hundred percent. So that that it'll be great atmosphere to watch for sure. Um before we move on, we'd like to give a shout out to our sponsors at Athletic Greens. Their signature AG1 is perfect for daily nutrients and gut health support. AG1 solves two of the most important health needs, the nutrients your body needs each day, and the foundation of long-term gut health. Together, they feel whole body health, impacting everything from sleep, digestion, energy, mood, immunity, to the health of your hair, skin, and nails. Simply follow the link in our show description and get started today. All right, well... I can't think of any big news that's break, broken since our last podcast. Can you, Chase? No, nothing major. Dubas no. in Pittsburgh, probably the only Leaf-related thing. Yeah, and um, yeah, I'm just looking. I, I really, I mean, oh, they, they signed this goalie, 20-year-old Texa. I can't even pronounce his last name. Looks Russian. Um, that I doesn't even seem, know that. Yeah, no, I mean, I, it was just a DLC. Um now, obviously, Brad Treliving announced as the new general manager of the Toronto Maple Leafs today. Uh, as we were recording on Wednesday, they announced it. He, I believe, is having a presser tomorrow, so Thursday. So when you're listening to this, uh, he will probably be having his presser at some point or maybe has already had it. Um, big news, obviously, but honestly, like we, we kind of talked about this a little offline. I don't have like a super hot take on this or anything. Like as weird as it's like it is genuinely big news, but I don't know how much there really is to analyze that we, you know, right now. It's huge news because they're the biggest team in the sport. If the Minnesota Wild hired Brad Tree Living, like it's just no one says anything. Because Brad Tree Living's somewhere between fine and good at his job. And yeah, like it's not like I don't know. I don't think there's a world where two years from now we're like, oh my God, he's the best team in the league. But I also don't think there's a world in two years from now we're like, oh yeah, he ruined the Leafs. So it's like, wow, they signed a guy who's probably going to be like the 12th best GM in the league. Yeah. Like, yeah, anywhere from that 12, like 18 range. I think, Something I don't like know. That, like, yeah. I, I guess I'm underwhelmed. And, and, but the thing is, the reason I don't have a ton to digest on this is we kind of like this is, we knew this was coming. 
Yep. Yeah, this has been a certain. It sounds like it. I mean, I don't want to read too much into this because I don't know what happened in their GM search, but it really sounded like they just decided it was Brad Tree living from the second he was walked away. Yeah, I mean, like he became available and Shanahan had been like, we want a guy with experience. And they're just, you know, it was either that or like Bergevin or Sorelli as like the option. So naturally, honestly, like, I don't know. This might be a hot take. I don't think Bergevin was maybe as bad of a GM as he was made. I don't to think be. Bergevin would be that bad. He is aggressive. Like I would have loved to see it from a content perspective because he definitely made some bold moves. But um, like, yeah, like I, I don't think, think he Bergevin's was. fine. Yeah, he wasn't. He definitely not in the Chiarelli aspect of things where I feel like people place him sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. He kind of gets brought up as like a meme, which is odd because it's not like he was horrific in his job. No, like, you know, and like you, you can argue they probably should have done more with the couple high picks they had and Carey Price at his peak, but like they made a conference final, had a couple other playoff wins and like were always in the mix. Like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. He, he, he didn't build them to a cup contender, I guess is definitely a criticism of him, but they were, not usually like disgustingly horrible either. Yeah. And the biggest problem he had was that he didn't have a coherent vision for the team, which clearly yes. needed one. The Leafs yes. don't need one. <laughs> you know what it is. You have four elite forwards. You're trying to win the cup. Done. That's it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. His, he keep flip-flopping between we're, we're competing. No, we're rebuilding. No, we're competing. Oh, we have a miracle run to the Stanley cup. We're, we're, we're competing. Oh, now actually we're going to rebuild. Right. Like, yeah. Um, but yeah, you don't need a visionary in Toronto. No, exactly. So, but yeah, I, I don't know. Like, Troy Vink just kind of, he's fine. Like, he, he's made some good moves. The Tyler Toffoli trade is, I, I think, one of the more underrated great trades of the last five years. Um, yep. You know, like, just even like this year, Tyler Toffoli had like a career year and no one had a career year other than him in Calgary. Um, so, like, he, he has moves like that, but then also Bring in like, Yep, Tanev, like, and that was one where we thought that move was bad. Like, we thought Tanev was cooked, and um, you yeah, know, obviously they smarted us on that one. Even the Kachuk trade, given the position they were in, the assets they got back, I still will defend, were very good. I don't think yeah. he should have doubled down and re-signed both of them for eight years. Uh, I would have looked to trade them, but again, like, the trade in a vacuum of just what he got for Kachuk, given that they, everyone knew Kachuk was leaving, n- nothing to complain about there. Yeah, some of the relitigations was stupid. Like they got way more NHL trade value or whatever you're gonna think of it as than like that was a lot. Because like if they would have just like and again it's hindsight, but if they would have flipped Huberto that summer again, they probably get at least a first and a high end prospect, if not like two first. As crazy as that sounds, yeah, they're probably getting two first without blinking. It was like a hot take to say Jonathan Huberto wasn't the third best player in the league. Literally, people, people were so angry when, like, Dom was like, he's, like, 10th on my heart ballot. Yeah, yeah, like, no, he's uh, he's passionate or confidently top five or whatever. So, yeah, like, same with Uyghur, too. Uyghur's well, that's the thing. Either you get a first for him that summer, like, Ottawa was in on Uyghur by all accounts, or, like, you let him start the year without a contract and then flip him at the deadline for a first. That would be the prototypical first in a prospect deadline get. Yeah, 100%. And then I've also seen people have been like, wow, he shouldn't have should have done something with Goudreau. It's like, well, they were an elite team. You just punt Goudreau and like, why would you do that? And like they had by a shot all, at the Stanley Cup and they took it. And by all accounts, like they were right in on Goudreau until hours before free agency started. And 
Would you rather have, if you could, would you sign that Goodrill contract today? No, you would. No. Which I mean, I mean, maybe, maybe it's probably they were in on it, but like, yeah, maybe if you're Calgary, you still are okay with it, yeah, just in terms true. of where they thought they were. But yeah, yeah, but like they were, I think they were this top or like second best XG team last year. They were well over a hundred point team. Oh, elite yeah. goalie, multiple elite defensemen, multiple elite forwards, and they took a shot at a cup. Um, I don't know what you're doing if you're not taking a run at it in your last second. Yeah, exactly. I'm like playing their yeah. own game, in my opinion, if you're not trying to play that. I, I completely agree. Um, I just, yeah, I don't know. Um, now I'm scared so, of the UFAs. Well, and so here's the other thing, too, is for the flip side of that is he's also signed a lot of bad contracts. There was yeah. pretty sure one point. one thing Toronto can't do. Yes, like that was the one thing that Dubas say what you want, even about the Marner and Elander contract. Yes, he overpaid Marner by two million dollars or whatever. Mitch Marner was still worth eleven million dollars on the ice for everyone in the last three years. Yep, he cannot go sign. And Kyle Dubas did not sign bottom six guys that you know he signed bottom six guys that maybe didn't produce, but they were making nine hundred k. They weren't really expected to produce. You you cannot go sign a Alexander Kerfoot level player and get like half the points that Kerfoot provided. Like you think the yeah. or not you, but Leaf fans think the Kerfoot, the Kerfoot and Hall were bad. Just wait until someone who is worse than them has more money. Yeah, wait till you're I, paying Zadorov three point seven five or Coleman, or uh, like you're getting rid of your twenty twenty five first round pick because you have to attach it to Sean Monahan. Yep, or the uh, James Neal. Yep, where you have to lose each. Um, Michael Stone they, was expensive. They bought out. Um, they had to bury uh, Kevin. Rooney wasn't too much. They they had like there was one point where I'm pretty sure over ha- or at least half the league's buyouts were players that he had signed and bought out himself in Calgary. That's pretty funny. Which just isn't um, isn't great. <laughs> um, so, no. and that was Dubis's big strength, which he's even compared against every time he does literally anything now. Yes, exactly. So I, uh, yeah, I'm going to be, actually, here we go. Thank God. Okay. Cal Friendly actually has it. That is amazing. I'm going to read you his buyouts here. Uh, Shane O'Brien, which I don't believe he actually signed the contract, but he bought it out. Mason Raymond. He did sign that one. Uh, Ryan Murphy signed that one. Lance Boma signed that one. Troy Bauer signed that one. That was a $6 million buyout. That was brutal. Yeah. And Michael Stone signed that one. And then they brought him back a year and a half later, but for way less money. But like, I just named seven guys that totaled about nineteen million, not quite fifteen million dollars in buyout money. You can't do that if you're Toronto. Yeah, you can't even waste fifteen dollars in buyout money if you're Toronto. No, like the only one you can really buy out and justify is maybe Matt Murray. Yes, and that's just because he's is like literally six hundred k this year, and then you have to hope the cap goes up next year. Yep. And you're just kind of punting a problem down the road because then you're at 2 mil next year. But Yeah, and that's when Elander gets expensive and stuff. Like That's actually a bigger problem, but you might just say we have a contending team. We're doing it anyways. Yeah. Um, so. Although you lose Muzzin, so. Yep. Yeah, like it, they're going to have, back, and so. Kerfoot's 3.5s off the books, even Hall, 2 million. Like they're going to have some space to do stuff, but. Um, they actually have a decent or Brody's 5 million off the books space. next year. Yeah, they have more space than they usually. That's what it is. Yeah, so um, this would have been a great song to have news. 
Yeah. Uh, Probably I, the best one in there, his entire tenure. Like the one you would most want to this war, to be perfectly honest. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't think there's too much he can say in his press conference tomorrow that's going to make me sway one way or the other. I think it'll be the classic. We're going to evaluate everything. The one interesting thing is it seems like they're like dedicated to keeping Sheldon Keith, which we've kind of talked a couple times. That's probably the easiest one there they could have upgraded on, and they're just choosing not to do that. So, yeah, that's, that's a one thing I can see a path on. I will say, from a GM's perspective, I wouldn't do it either. I would want to, keep as many uh, bullets as you can. Yes, exactly. Say this fails in two years, be like, well, now I'm firing Kyle Lubis's guy. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. You your own for three years or whatever. Yep. Exactly. Like that's exactly what like Dubis did with Babcock, right? Like stayed yeah, with Dubis him for a year or whatever. Then the next year it wasn't counts. going well. And he goes, Oh, it's not my problem. Dubis. It's the coach. Yeah. Dubis by all accounts didn't get along with Babcock, but worked with him anyways, because don't use your bullets. Yep, exactly. Um I brought up something up to you over text, and I I don't think it'll work just because I don't know. So they have Preseason LTR cap hit, cap space with LTR candidates. So they have a roughly four, they, like Muzzin's, they're, they're projecting Muzzin will be on LTR next year, which seems fair. Um, they're going to have about $9 million in projected cap space, 14.7 once Muzzin goes on IR. But you need Muzzin's off before the season starts, if, I, if I'm correct, right? Like you need to factor his contract in day one of the regular day season. Day one, and then you can go over the cap with yeah. trades and stuff, I think, yeah. I so everyone keeps talking about what do you do with Murray? What do you do with Murray? You know, what do you bring Sam? Like, I think a the only way you bring Samson on back is if it's like a two year deal at like three and a half million dollars or whatever. You know, some small term, cheap, cheap enough in money where you give him a raise, but it's not aggressive, right? If you if he's not willing to accept that, you go take like a one year flyer on like Tristan Jari. It sounds like he'll probably be a UFA this year or something like that, right? I would Uh, love Tristan. It it feels like it'd just be like Samsonov, but. But honestly, kind of the same time. I think he's maybe a year or two older in Samson. Better, but... Been better too. Yeah. For, yeah. Like his peak has definitely been higher too. Um, but like you just go get that kind of guy, I think, to play with Joseph Wall. I what does Murray's contract look like if they bury it? Do you know? Is it just half? I don't exactly know what it looks like. Cause I was thinking the other day, like because uh, so the, the way I the reason this came up was um uh I was listening to Overdrive and and they I think it was Jamie McLennan, he's always a fan of having three goalies, which is natural. You're gonna have a goalie get hurt. Like most teams yeah. play at least three, now up to four goalies in in a year, right? So you need a guy who can at least play for like nine to ten games, you know, like even the Leafs were using Shalgren for a while, and that worked fine enough. But he was like, Well, they need to go sign a goalie, even if they get rid of Matt Murray. And that kind of led me to think, like, why don't you just put Murray in the AHL and let him be your third goalie. The only drawback to that is I don't know how much cap retention you would get from that. Because if you're sitting with like 3.5 mil in the, in the AHL still, that's just a tough sell, you know? Yeah, that is a tough sell. I don't know exactly what they get for it, to be honest. Waivers calculator. I'm about to find out. Don't you worry. Search player, Matt Murray. Um, why is he not coming up? Um, oh, that would be why, because I'm on waiver exempt players. Matt Murray. Let's click on him. Non-waivers eligible. Yes, I know he's waivers eligible. Come on. 
Oh, the waiver. Never mind. The waivers calculator is not what I thought it was. I apologize for everyone listening. It's just if he needs waivers or not, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, like I don't know. Like that, that'd be an option as well. I think uh, we'll have lots of time to talk about that in the off season, though. Um, you can ding Ottawa with Captain if you buy him out. Yeah, Ottawa gets I think Ottawa gets two hundred k this year and six hundred next. Six hundred next year, yeah. yeah. Which, if, funny enough, um, no one in Ottawa is complaining about either uh, because they have they're on the books for I think one point two of um, his salary next year, and Ottawa's quietly up to the cap yeah. this year, or at least their internal cap. It seems like they have now. Maybe new ownership will go fix that, but. Um, Ottawa's got $17 million in cap space, so they look good, but they have to bring it to re-sign as an RFA. Shane Pinto does re-sign as an RFA. They need to re-sign about three more bottom six guys, and then Eric Branstrom and two more defensemen as well. And, and two goalies. goalies. They don't they don't have any goalies. Yeah, so, they're not in a great spot. They, they're fine, but it's... But they're, assuming the internal cap, I don't know. Yeah, well, like, and, and the, the internal cap is like... If the cap is 84, and like I think new ownership will get rid of that completely, to be honest. Um, That's the but, easiest way to endear yourself. So. <laughs> literally. But even like right now, like last year, the internal cap, I think, was around like $79 million or whatever in real money versus the 82.5 or 81.5 or whatever that it was. Yeah. So it's not like, it's not like, like they, the peak seasons of the rebuild, their goal is to be under $50 million in real salary, which they did. <laughs> They got to like hilarious. 35 or something the one year or 40 or something. Like just, yeah, just some absurd number. But um, yeah, they're, they're like quietly not a team that has just loads of cap space or anything. And they showed that by having to like offload Zaitsev as a cap dump this, this offseason or last year in the, de- yep. the deadline to go get Chichern. And again, like you do that every day. If it means you can keep Kachuk, Stutzler, Giroux, Batherson, uh, Dabrinkit and Shabbat. Jacob Chichern, Shabbat on the blue line. Like, but yeah, it's not like they can just go and afford to give everyone five million dollars or anything. So yeah. they they would probably be okay, honestly, with a Matt Murray buyout as well. Sure, as weird as it sounds. <laughs> um, yeah, that is odd. Yeah, yeah, like you really wouldn't think about it. Like, like in my mind too, in Ottawa still, but like even like I think Detroit's a sneaky team like that too, where you know some of the contracts they've handed out or they're not exactly like. Yeah, so, the now they cop deal Perron. Yeah, no, they. I guess that they're a little better than I thought. They're team, but they're they're better for a bad reason. They don't have anyone to pay right now. Like, well, that's their thing, right? They just don't have. They didn't have their Stutzler breakout, like you know. It's, yeah. It's, like, What's his name Rankin, on the blue line? Edvinson better be Kelkar. Yeah, and like Cider's up after next year's when Detroit's going to have to spend some money. Uh, John and Bergeron, Lucas Raymond are all up. Um, uh, more deciders up next year as well, so they're gonna have to spend some money after next year, but still. Yep. Um, and like, the, yeah, they need like Marco Casper to be unreal, which is scary because Casper looked like a really high floor, low ceiling guy, and like the flexes that he made the NHL this year, which is great, but I mean, I don't know, maybe, maybe he'll be amazing, but he doesn't seem like the best man in the world to just go nuclear next season. Yeah, exactly. Um, like he'll help the team, but they need high end talent. They really do to to take the next step. Like they're going to be a fine team or whatever. They were a fine team this year, but like yeah. to take they the need step to into make the playoffs. Exactly, Never mind, like, right? Win a cup. Yeah, exactly. And then yeah, they need a, even another one where it's like because like if they miss the playoffs again next year, 
that's not surprising to anyone, is it? Like, no, they'll be favored to miss, and and that's why it's like that's the difference between them and Ottawa. Is like if Ottawa misses again next year, it's bad in my opinion because like they've already paid the guys they need to start like making the playoffs now right and like even if they're they're in a tough division so they might not be above 50 percent or whatever but they'll be around i would say 35 40 percent and hoping that internal growth keeps them going yep and if they just figure out their depth like they do have stars yeah exactly part down but yeah like if (laughs) i don't know if they also get uh it, um, yeah, sorry, if Detroit gets like a Drake Batherson season or whatever, they're still not a playoff team. No. Because Buffalo's going to be good too. Yeah, like, I just, I don't know. I uh, <laughs> They're a sneaky, interesting team. I, I don't really know what they do. And I kind of wonder how many years Steve Eiserman still has of like, this is okay. Yeah, this is like blindly assuming that you're still amazing at this, no matter what the results say. Yeah, exactly. All right, uh, before we wrap it up quick, want to play a quick game? Sure. Test your knowledge of just NHL trivia, okay? I'm going to give you... You get five chances, I guess. Name the 15 top players ever for NHL points. All time. Okay. I'll give you actually no okay, I'll wait before I give you a hint, but all time. Yeah. So I know one. Yeah, I'll and you don't have this. to go in order if you don't want, but I will I'll keep, I think it's uh, easier to go in order. Okay. Number One's one. One's gotta be William Nylander. <laughs> no, what'll be Wayne? Two's Yager, three's how. Three is not how, but how is four. Okay. Who is Three. Three would then be Iserman, Mario, nope, he, or he Messier? Is seven. Messier is three. Mario is eight. Okay. Ron Francis is there. I remember Googling him in Seattle when he showed up. Ron Francis is five. Um, Sakic? Sakic is nine. Six is an older player than anyone you have named so far. That's not good. Um, is it? I don't know if he's older. Is Paul Coffey in there? Paul Coffey is 14. Okay. Is Lidstrom? Uh, Lidstrom is not in there. Is Solani? Solani is also not in there. He is 18. Okay. Is Bork? Bork is 11. Is Sid in there? Uh, Sid is 15. Where did Sid go? Um, how many am I missing? You are missing 6, 10, 12, and 13. This is going to be so slanted towards modern. Is Jumbo in there? Jumbo is 12. Is like Doug Gilmore? Doug Gilmore is not in there. Yari Curry? Shanny? Uh, Curry is not. I actually don't. Curry's 23. Okay. Medano's the all time leading American scorers at him. 26. 
I'll give you a hint. The remaining ones are all Canadian. 14 of the top 15 are Canadian, and Yager was two, so he was the only not Canadian. And then Ovi's at 16 is the next. That's aggressive. Yeah. Mark Recchi? Mark Recchi is 13. What am I missing then? You're missing 6 and 10. Both of these guys play or were born uh, before 1960. I'm screwed. I have no idea. One played for mad when I don't get it, but you definitely have heard of both of these players. One, I think you could get played for the Canada Cup team against the Russians. Oh shit! Like the seventy-two team? Yeah, the seventy-two team. Honestly, they might have. But no, I think the one is like very well known from that team. Um, He has fifteen hundred and ninety points. In 1,282 games. The dude who scored the goal is that famous. That's it's definitely not him. He played for the Hawks, Bruins, and Rangers. Hawks. Was it Esposito? It is Phil Esposito. Okay. Uh, number six, I will give you. He was born in 1942. Played for Detroit, L.A., and New York. I would say he's probably most known for L.A. He played the bulk of his career there. I got maybe no De- idea. Maybe Detroit. It's Marcel Dion. Oh, shit. I should have got that one. I thought that was probably going to be the hardest, but that is not bad. Uh, 13 out of 15 pretty comfortably. Yeah. Um, not too, too many guesses out of either for the first, like, 12. Once you get past the top, like, 15 or 16, you would have had a couple more, definitely. Like, Ovi would have been up there. Solani, obviously, you got at 18. Stan Mika is uh, 17. Brian Trottier is 19. I don't think I ever would have got him. Adam Oates is 20. I could have not told you that Adam Oates was even in the top 50 of NHL scores. No. Doug Gilmore is 21. My other guess is Robitaille and Brett Paul. 24 and 25. Okay. Well, they're up there at least. Um, and then yeah, uh Brendan Shannon was 28, Guy Lafleur 29, Matt Sundin 30. Um, and then you get into a bunch of older guys as well. But yeah. Oh, I would say that that was pretty good. That was um, pretty good. Right. I think that's a good place to wrap it up. I don't believe there's any more big news. It does kind of sound like Dubas might be in going to Pittsburgh, but that hasn't become official yet oh i, I guess uh, the, the predators fired their coach and hired andrew burnett uh, i don't have much on that other than i think burnett's a i think that's a good hire in my opinion especially john yeah, H- i don't think john hines was anything special and i think burnett i don't know if he's anything special but he has more of a chance than hines that's for sure that's for the shot um and then washington signed the maple leafs assistant coach which i have absolutely no take on because i hadn't heard of his name before this week yeah, I barely had either. He was their special teams coach, and their special teams were really good. So, I mean, worth a shot. I'd rather them do that than rehire. Like, that, that was the other thing about, like, even – and then, like, Dubas is different. He's 37 years old and, like, clearly one of the better GMs in the league. But, like, Brad Living stopping his 10-year reign or whatever in, in Calgary just to get immediately hired, like, six days later. It's like, this league really is just a rotating door of the same dudes. Yeah, like, you can you can dream bigger. Yeah, like, so, I don't know. But 
All right. Well, the next time we are recording, we will have an NHL Stanley Cup final game to talk about, which is super exciting. So, um, as always, you can find me on Twitter at NHL Suns and stuff, Chase on Twitter at CMHockey66. Find all my work at lastwordhockey.com, chaseactionnetwork.com, and his Substack. Uh, thank you, everyone, so much for listening, and we will talk to you all next week. Bye.